0: Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. Uh, Dr. Wiles and I are here unpacking the start of Ephesians 4. Got some great content for you to listen through, ways to think about how you kind of put some feet to this and live worthy of the calling you've received. Okay, well, welcome to Tell Me More. My name is Luke. This is Dr. Wiles, uh, Katie Reed Hodges is not with us today. I see that <clears throat> empty space, mm-hmm. but we will remember her. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she's she's here. Yep, <clears throat> but not with us right now. Not with us today. <clears throat> so we had it's Wednesday. Full disclosure. Yeah. We uh we've had a week. We've had a week, haven't we? It's uh, been a little chilly. Yeah. So
1: snowed in, iced in, frozen in, something
0: like that. Yeah.
1: Crazy and. Um, yeah, it, but I mean, it has been cold now. That's it has yum. been.
0: I appreciate my week of winter.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this morning when I got up, we have a little, a real shallow part of our pool. There used to be a hot tub there and took it out, and it's just a little platform, and it's only probably about that deep. Well, there was just a sheet of ice, and my pool's running and working, you know, but it was just frozen over. It's just been cold for so long. It doesn't circulate very well mm-hmm. right there. So I had to get out there and break up that ice. And I thought, my goodness, it is cold when your your pool is running. And a part of it still freezes. Anyway, but look at us. We're in here warm now, though.
0: It is. It feels great. And we are here to talk about Ephesians. You preached a sermon on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And it's one body Mm -hmm. together.
1: Mm -hmm. And we are better together. We are. So our theme for the year together And, and really Ephesians 4 is kind of a foundational text for us. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it this coming Sunday, but this is the intro, if you will, to um to that conversation. And um I love this text, you know, I love how Paul has he spent these three chapters in Ephesians kind of explaining to us everything God has done for us. It's um it's I mean, my goodness, Ephesians one through three Oh my goodness, it's so good. If you haven't read it, um, I would encourage you to read it. Um, Yeah. I mean, on uh, Sunday, you
0: just worked through a list of some of the things God has done. We're chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, revealed, sealed, moved from death to life. We've been raised. Yes. Amen. Masterpieces. All of these things, Ephesians 1 through 3, kind of guides us through.
1: And I love the, in Ephesians 3, where, in fact, it's the text that we're asking our people to reflect on this week about how. Through the church, God has chosen to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. Mm. I mean, what a what a statement! So that we don't sell the church short a little bit, and uh, I just I love that, and I love how I believe Paul connects all of that to our calling. You know, in Ephesians four, so you get that. Um, you know that then or therefore, here's what I want you to do, and and um, so you get this imperative from Paul: live worthy. And uh, but the calling of God is, I think, is is such a powerful, rich imagery, a rich image. It's not because, on the one hand, as I mentioned Sunday morning, those of us who are called in the ministry, we use that phrase, and mm-hmm. I, and I think rightfully so, we should. But in this text, it's everybody's calling. You know, no matter who you are in as a believer in Christ, you've been called, and that calling includes all these things he's done. So it's a it's beautiful. It's rich. Dense, but then the admonition. Now, be worthy of it. That's the
0: yeah, that's, yeah. It's
1: a hard one. You know, I remember years ago when um, Saving Private Ryan came on, came out. It was a movie, mm-hmm. and um, it, was, it was pretty controversial when it first came out, just because um, they tried to capture some of the realism, you know, from World War II, and and uh, it was a, it was a pretty graphic movie. Mm-hmm. But a lot of um, um, like green beret and I don't know just a lot of military people quibbled with the end of it because when you get to the end, you know these soldiers have saved Private Ryan, and because uh, his brothers have all been killed, you know, at war mm-hmm. and kind of the, it's kind of the picture. But at the very end, Tom Hanks tells him, "Earn this." In other words, all these guys died to rescue you. Now, earn it. And it was kind of controversial because a lot of soldiers said, you don't have to earn it. You, you, you're a soldier. We're under command. We, this was our assignment. That a, a, a true officer in the military would have never said that, earn this. Mm. But I have thought about that because that's not really what Paul is saying because you can't earn this. That, that's not no. the point. We can't earn all this. It's more of a, so then, because of all of this, so then, live a life worthy now, you know, invest yourself in things that are reflective of what God has done for you. And I love that admonition, Luke. And I like that imagery of the marketplace, Axios, that idea of, you know, bringing balance to the scales, you know, that you start living a life that is so connected to that calling that it, it really does manifest itself in, in very real and tangible ways. And, and I would just say to, to people, I know sometimes people, can be skeptical about things, you know, they look at the Christian life and they may say, oh, well, you know, I mean, what, is it really worth it? Well, I would say, why don't you, why don't you, 2024, the year starting, give it a shot. Let's, let's give a year to truly living into our calling and really invest in yourself and take all of this seriously and I believe in a year from now you'll be a different person. Mm, You know?
0: That's a good word.
1: And uh, instead of just being skeptical of it, why don't you, why don't you give it what what give it to do. Let's see what God does if you fully live into this, as it's outlined in this text. I believe right. it'll change your life, you know, change mine. Oh, well. And uh, so, and I've settled in on this text for my year, 2024, you know? Yeah. And uh, as I
0: think about this passage and this phrase, you know, live, live worthy of this calling, one of the things you said reminded me, there's a theologian named Dallas Willard, more philosopher. I don't know what you call him, yeah. but, but he has this really line. smart,
1: how about that? <laughs> a very smart yeah. man yeah. who yeah.
0: was faithful to Jesus. <laughs> yes. You uh, once said that grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. And mm-hmm. I think that's always been a really helpful way for mm-hmm. me to kind of think about this. Yeah. This, isn't, this calling is not something you can earn. Mm-hmm. Uh, grace is not something you can earn. Mm-hmm. You can't do enough to make God give it to you. That right. would be earning. That's right. But it's not opposed to effort. Mm-hmm. So this is, the effort is you living worthily of it. Mm-hmm. You have been given this grace now. Now put in the effort. Live right. a life mm-hmm. that's worthy of this. And so you talked about how this is the ethical section of Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you maybe talk a little mm-hmm. bit more about what that means mm-hmm. when we say that a passage of a letter in the New Testament is an ethical section? Mm-hmm. What do biblical scholars mean? What do we mean when we say something mm-hmm. like that?
1: Yeah, you know, it's not uncommon in Paul's writings for him to um, develop some type of a theological argument or make a theological case. And then he will take all of that and say, now, therefore, do this. So here's the application, that kind of the ethical demand on your life based upon what you've learned theologically. You know, you have this, uh, in, in Romans, you know, you have this, incredible grand scope of theology, Romans 1 through 11, and you get to Romans 12, and Paul says, Now, offer up your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, after all of this, after everything you've heard, and then he starts describing the ways to live this out. And that's what you find here. It's, you enter the ethical section of the letter when Paul starts giving you the, the demands, if you will, of what all this theology now means in your life and how it's supposed to impact you. It's, kind of, it's the obedience section. Mm. You know? So you've got the rationale first, Look at what all of God's done, stated so beautifully and, and in some ways almost poetically. You know, these prayers that are in Ephesians are they're beautiful, poetic masterpieces to me. And now you get down kind of to the nitty gritty of this. This is the so what of the text, you know? OK, so what? Well, OK, because of what God's done now, here are the ethical demands that that truth places on you. It's kind of like uh, once you learn something, you know, you're accountable now. Right. And so I remember years ago, uh, when I was a young pastor, I was in Tyler, and uh Paul Powell was the pastor at Green Acres Baptist in those days. And Paul decided um he wanted his church to be more missional, more personally missional. And and uh this was back when mission trips were kind of just really becoming in vogue, so to speak. It sounds strange to say that now, but I mean there was a time when that's just not what you're you did. doing. Yeah. So so Paul went on this kind of vision trip with one of the missionaries that they knew that had grown up or come out of their church. And he said they were in the car, and this missionary said, okay, they were driving. And so the missionary pulled the car over and said, okay, now when we make this next turn, I'm about to introduce you to just the overwhelming nature of our work here. And he says, I just need you to know, the first time that I saw it, it, it overwhelmed me. He said, but I want to say to you, do, do you want to see it? Do you, I mean, I know you've flown down here. I know you've talked about want to see everything, but do you really want to see where we're about to go? Because, and, and Paul said, what, what do you mean? That's why I came down here, and the guy said, well, the thing is, once you see this, you're going to be somehow accountable for what you do with it because it's so overwhelming, and the need is great, and I just, I would rather not even introduce you to it, <laughs> you know. Um, but if you're going to see it, I'm just telling you, it's going to weigh on you, and, and Paul said it was a life-changing moment. He said when they got into this community and he started seeing place after place after place where the needs were so great and there were just the harvest was plentiful but the workers were few. Paul said I went back home and said I got to live with this now. I can I can't, I can't mm-hmm. unsee what I saw. And it led him to lead his church to become this incredible mission force that it really is still to this day actually. But all that took place because of that kind of that encounter. It was almost like he walked into Ephesians 4 literally like Okay, now, therefore, you've got to do something. So I think about this. I think that's kind of how I read this. Paul says, here's what's happened to you. Here's what God's done for you. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's more than you'll ever understand. Um, But there's enough of it that you can't understand. Now, obey, live, apply, make an effort, take time to consider, and weave this into your life. And so these ethical sections in the Scripture, that's where it becomes demanding. You're moving from information to transformation. Right. So that's what I would say.
0: Yeah. So I think about Paul's world where he's writing this. We know that this is kind of more of a circular letter to a region, Mm -hmm. not necessarily specifically to the church in Ephesus. But if Ephesus is its epicenter, then it is a deeply entrenched pagan territory. We know that Paul has lots of conflicts there with silversmiths and the gospel enters and there's, it immediately just gets embroiled in conflict in Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus, if you know your Greek mythology is the home of the temple of Artemis, who's the goddess of virginity, the hunt, the moon. Yeah. Etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Very important, very important, to the important <clears throat> influential, powerful cult, mm-hmm. mainly made up of women, which is probably right. We get some of these interesting commands in First Timothy, mm-hmm. also written to Ephesus. Mm-hmm. So Paul writes this kind of ethical section and he encourages believers to live a certain way in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. So now I want you to put on your Paul hat. <laughs> and if you sat down today at your desk <clears throat> and you wrote a letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were getting to the ethical section mm-hmm. to First Baptist Arlington, what would you write in that letter?
1: Wow, <laughs> wow that's a great question. Um, well, I think probably one of the images that I have for the believers in Ephesus is um, almost on, on every level they're going to have to swim upstream because the onslaught philosophically... Spiritually, if you want to call it that, is so overwhelming in a town like that. They're just dominated by their worldview that is so mm-hmm. entrenched in paganism, and uh, and so if you're going to live as a believer, almost every arena of your life, is going to feel a little out of sorts with the culture you're in. And so I think that's probably what what I would say. What I, one of the things to me that's beautiful about this is Paul. He has the, you know, these first two or three chapters. is so grand and uh, grandiose, if you will. I mean, he talks about you know, you've been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, and you know, there's this cosmic kind of perspective. But then you get into the ethical section of the text, and he's talking about husbands and wives and moms and dads, and you know in those days, slavery was such a big part of their culture, slaves and masters, and encountering these spiritual forces of darkness, prepare for that, um, learn how to live Uh, in in true spiritual power real spiritual power not being led astray by by this pagan views if you will so i think about my culture well if you're going to live authentically as a christian and you're truly going to take some of this to heart you're going to find yourself swimming upstream in, in a number of places you know um and i think that's probably how i would encourage our people don't don't get so caught up in the materialism of this particular world the consumerism consumer mentality the um the more vengeful angry voices the the po- polarized nature of everything um the um the, the quick judgments that people make nowadays you know you can ask somebody um, if you pick a political topic almost in america all you have to do is ask one question you know what do you believe about immigration or what do you believe about uh you know the economy or what do you believe about um, you know, um, uh, religious liberty, or what do you believe about? but just pick something. It's almost like you answer one question, and whoever's a- asking the question immediately knows. Oh, uh, you know, you know, you're either one of us, or you're not one of us. So that that constant us versus them that just seems to so permeate my society. Um, the quick judgments, the um, the the willingness to abandon people uh, and and forsake relationships. Yeah, I mean, there's just an Onslaught of, of of cultural pressure and power that's just so prominent in my society, and now all of a sudden I'm I'm trying to challenge people to live and be gentle, you know, and mm-hmm. and be patient, and to put up with each other, as this text says, in love, to actually have love for people. That's a choice of the will, not based on what you get out of them and what you think they can do for you, because. That's so often how love is characterized in my society. Man, this would really work if you get, are you getting anything out of this? Yeah, Paul's no.
0: going against transactional yes. relationships, yes. unless you think transactional relationships are just part of our society. They're part of yeah. his too.
1: They were. And so I think, so I look at it and I would say, well, if I were writing this, I'd probably address some of those issues to say, okay, right now you're going to be tempted to be caught up in just a swell of, you know, like I said, quick judgments condemning attitudes, um, snap judgments, quick decisions, consumerism, materialism, finding your identity in so many of the wrong things and moving from relationship to relationship, having no deep stability in your life um, and, <clears throat> and and things are so throwaway, you know, and, and you can just make that evaluation so quickly. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, the way I look at it, I would say I'm, I'm going to challenge you to live a little differently than that, you know, to truly invest in in people and and live in relationships that that are actually real and authentic, and they may not all be relationships that are that are dictated by what you get out of them. You know that that's not really the point. Um, it's it's how God is using them in in your life and what is God teaching you. And to be patient with your life, be patient with your circumstances, be patient with people. That's just a, almost a lost art and the ability to have reasonable deep conversations without threatening others, without dismissing others, um, and not, not getting caught up in um, the chase after whatever it is. This, this, there's just so much uh, more of this, more of this, more of this. Finding contentment and peace in the midst of all of that and, and, um, and being willing to, to not, um, not necessarily be caught up in every little argument. You know, It seems to me like right now, Everybody has to be on everything. It's like you've got to be an expert on every. every, You have an opinion on every single thing on planet Earth, and I'm thinking, I I don't. I mean, I I could be an opinionated person, but there's so many things I I, I hadn't given enough thought to even know yet. So why am I going to wax eloquently on it if (laughs) I've never really thought about it? You know. So yeah, I guess I would be challenging our people just to live a little differently, and not only that, purposefully in the midst of the society and not remove yourself from it live in it and, and show people this is how it can be. That, that's who I want our church to be. I want our church to be that colony of heaven, kind of that outpost of this is how it could be. You know, you can, you can be a part of a place where diversity is embraced and welcomed, but unity is so important to us that we find ourselves connected to things that are way deeper than we are and deeper than our proclivities and our self-interests. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a tall order you know, I think, to try to live as a Christian um, in this society. And, and I, I think that, too, it's a little different than when Paul was alive. You know, Christianity was such a minority then, we face an opposite challenge almost. And that is, what's it, what's it like to be in a somewhat of a Christian majority country, if you will, because we still are. Yeah. Um, but, but, the, but the Christianity becomes, at least to me, it seems to be becoming more shallow, um, more opinionated, more polarized, and unfortunately, I believe, more politicized. And man, um, to resist some of those temptations, you know, and and to live more fully into the kingdom of God, rather than thinking that um, that Jesus died for America. You know, I love America. I mean, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Right. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a world... Christian, I'm a world citizen, I'm a world Christian. I'm an American and I'm a, I think I'm a patriotic American.
0: But you know that that is the part of you that won't last forever.
1: Yeah. And it, it is what it is. A part of me that is more deeply woven into me is I'm a member of the, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God and I'm trying to help extend his kingdom on this earth. So promoting kingdom values and listening to what Jesus really said and watch what he really did, that's, that's what I think is the genius of Paul. I think Paul is basically saying, live like Christ in Ephesus. And if you hmm. don't know what that looks like, let me, let me just remind you, let me describe it to you. And, um, and you do that relationally, and that's why I love this text. But it's rooted theologically, where he goes and says, there's only one, there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism, only one body. There's a depth to our connection, but the living of that out is... is um, It's where the challenge is. You know, I've I've talked about this before on Sunday morning, but I grew up thinking that when Jesus said, you know, there's a broad way and a narrow way and the broad way leads to destruction and the narrow way leads to eternal life and few there be that find it. I always had in my mind that, you know, you come to an intersection and man, that's the broad way and that's the narrow way and I've chosen the narrow way, you know, and, and when I was in seminary, Dr. McGorman was one of my New Testament professors, and he completely changed that for me, and I've, and, I've, and I've accepted it ever since. Dr. McGorman taught us that the narrow way is cut right in the middle of the broad way. And so you make the decision to follow Jesus, and you've been going this way your whole life. You're on this broad way, and all of a sudden you accept Jesus, and you turn around, and you look, and you go, Oh, my goodness, there's a road right here, and it's right in the middle of, of all of this. But in order for me to be on it, I gotta, I'm gotta, i going to be walking in the opposite direction <laughs> Mm. Of all these people, that image is powerful to me. That Now I've turned and now I'm walking the narrow way, but guess what? I'm right in the middle of the Broadway. It's all, it's all over me. It's all around me. I'm not on some isolated path that leads to heaven. I'm on, I'm on the busiest road there is. I'm just, Going walking, the opposite I'm just direction. walking the
0: opposite way. Which if you've ever walked in a major <laughs> <Yeah>. world city <laughs> right. against, against the flow the of foot traffic... You'll get called some choice words. Yes. Just the next time you go to New York yes, or London, exactly. don't try it. Right. Um, so
1: think about it. And, and the constant temptation to get pulled back onto that broadway, or at least to give it consideration or to pause my progress and at least maybe even enjoy some of the sights and sounds. I mean, there's so many ways to go with it. But I just have that image, and I want to encourage our people. Okay, if you're on this narrow way, you're not disconnected from the broad way. You can't do that. You're living in the midst of it. But you're actually going a different direction.
0: Yeah, this is against the tide.
1: Yes, it really is. And so why do I believe X or why do I act this way? Well, because it's what I think the Bible teaches. It's what I think Jesus would have me do. And I get it. I can be tempted to just like anybody, you know, and I think that's why Jesus had to be so direct sometimes. And Paul as well, you know, that, you know, when Jesus would say, if somebody strikes you on the cheek, well, everybody knows your natural inclination is just hit them back. That's just what you do on the Broadway. And Jesus says, well, you know, I'll tell you what, why don't you go ahead and send a different message and let them hit you on the other cheek? Well, what was he talking about? Was he saying, you know, you should, if somebody's attacking your family, you just kind of lay down? No. Jesus was saying, people are going to take advantage of you. And what's going to happen sometimes? And, and you're going to have to be big enough to go, you know, Maybe I can show you a different way. I can break the cycle of vengeance and mm-hmm. revenge. You know, I can actually do that. And here's how I do that, by not, by not responding in kind. Well, now, wait a minute, Lord. That's not going to work. I mean, this world is built on in-kind behavior. You know, come on, man. And the Lord's like, well, no, actually, you can, you can help people break a cycle in their own life that they don't even know they're trapped in. But somebody's got to show them. Somebody's got to lead them. Well, Christians, that's why, that's why we're here, you know, to help bring people onto that narrow way. My, what I would love is to see that narrow way just be overwhelmed with the people that we bring to it because they're, they're able to see us too. you know. And, and it's not like it's just this straight path. I mean, it's filled with all these intersections and you're meeting the same mm. people all the time. you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's dicey and winding and, and it's got all kinds of twists and turns and ups and downs. Um, but my picture for my people is you're on that narrow way Okay. <clears throat> well, live like it. Just, just live like it. Take these, take these admonitions, and apply them, and let them become kind of the standard for you. I think that's the other thing I would say to my people in Arlington. Choose the right standard, and don't, don't sell yourself short. Don't, don't choose yourself. As I said Sunday morning, if I use myself as a standard, I'm, man, I'm doing great. But that's not the standard. Jesus is the standard. His expectation—that's the real standard. Well, that's going to call me to a better, higher life, you know. And um, and the good news is, God has provided me for it, and He's put you on that road, and and you, and yeah. you, and you, and you, and you. Again, yeah, we're on this road together. As you
0: talked about we want to yeah. break that individualism. This is not yes. something you do alone. Well, yeah. So if you,
1: you we're know, together,
0: are on the fence about being a part of church, yes.
1: That's why I say give it a try.
0: You don't follow Jesus alone.
1: Yeah, give it a try. Give the church a try. Get in there with people who who have these same kinds of convictions and and desires and and they're rooted in in godly motivation. And find your way together. You know, because we need each other. And I know that for me, um I I need that um, I need that feedback. I need that encouragement, sometimes maybe even admonishment of um, am, I, am I really doing this in the right way, you know? I, I think there have been times in my life when I've had fellow believers, you know, when the Bible says that the something like faithful are the wounds of a friend. In other words, you know, somebody who truly cares about you and who really has your best interest at heart, if they speak a word in your life that's somewhat corrective, it may wound and hurt a little bit, but actually in the long run, it's for your own good. It's for you to become better and more equipped to live this life. That's why I think the church is such a beautiful thing. You know, we we're called to do it together. We can challenge each other, encourage one another. I find great strength in that. I love, I love being a part of the church. I love Sunday mornings. You know, I love to see my people. I love to to watch them. I love to do life with them. I love to see them out in the wild, as I would call it, <laughs> in different places. Um, and uh, and it's it's an awesome thing to feel connected. I think that's a beautiful thing for me, Luke. I, I love the connections that I have. Because of my life in the church, and you know, the thing about I I started doing this a long time ago, and um, well, we've just been going through a a challenging time in our family. Our daughters had uh, cancer, and and you know, we have received notes, encouragement, gifts um, from people in our former churches. You know who who love us. You know we love them. We may not be serving with them right now, but we did life with them. You know for a while. And it meant something to them. And so, when they found out this is where we are, we start hearing from them collectively. Sometimes groups of them would say, "Hey, want you to know tonight we're here on Wednesday night at our church, and we just had a season of prayer for Hannah and for mm-hmm. God to bring healing in her life." Why well, do you think that makes me feel as a dad, as a as a as a as a pastor, as a Christian to know? It's wonderful that yeah, here's this group of people in, in these other places, uh, people sending us. All kind of gifts, and hey, not sure if Hannah would want this, but decide to send it to you first, and then maybe you can share it with her and um, you know it's the people of God, you know, and it's and so on those days where you wonder, and well, why is this happening are we going to get through this? It seemed like every time I found myself in one of those places, the church reached out to me, you know, and let me know, hey you're not you're not doing this by yourself, you know you're not on this road alone, we're with you. And there's just great comfort and strength in that. And it's meaningful because it's powerful. You know, they're, they're not just holding my hand. They're also um, interceding before the throne of grace on my behalf. Well, come on, man. That, that kind of stuff matters. You know, God, God, the Bible says, the effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The old King James says, I mean, God honors the prayers of his people. You know, and I think about some of these faithful, godly people, notes we've gotten from some saints of God who I know when they pray, it matters, and um, that's the kind of people that we've heard from. And mm. so, yeah, we're, I would tell you my family right now is better because of our life in the church in, in spite of what we have been through than we would have ever been doing this by ourselves, you know, not, not, not even any comparison, you know. And so, yeah, the church is not perfect. It's filled with imperfect people. But if, if we're all on this narrow way together, I, I believe we make headway. Know, mm. And um, and make a difference. So that's probably what I'd say. <laughs> so if you're gonna, that's a long, t- that's a long answer. That's a good answer.
0: Mm-hmm. So um, so if you're gonna tell someone one thing to do to make headway on that narrow way, what would you tell them? What's your so what?
1: It would probably have, have a couple of prongs to it. First, I would say get deeply connected to Jesus. Just just give time to walk in with Jesus. You know, I just think that, um, you know, when when the Bible says in, in 2 Timothy, I mean 2 Peter, rather, Peter says uh, we we're eyewitnesses of His majesty. We're up on that mountain. It's referring to the Mount of Transfiguration. Well, that phrase has just stuck with me for a long time, Luke, you know, to be an eyewitness of the majesty of Christ. In other words, I've got to experience it myself. So I would say give some attention to learning how to walk deeply with Jesus. Listen to his voice. So that's one thing I would say. And then then I would say, secondly, choose I'll tell you one thing I've done for 2024. I've chosen a passage of scripture and just said, okay, I'm gonna live into this in 2024. And for me it's Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. I've said, All right, I'm gonna camp out in this text and I'm gonna be comparing my life to this text, and this whole year is about me being. That right there being, I'm looking at Ephesians 4, <laughs> so if you're, not, if you're not watching this, if you're listening to this, I'm pointing at Ephesians 4. That right there is my, is my guide for 2024. So I'm a shepherd. Um, I'm a teacher. Um, I've got a little bit of apostolic tendencies in me. Um, okay. Well, guess what? I'm supposed to live that out so that the church will be built up. Everybody doing his part. I'm going to evaluate myself this year. How how am I doing that? How am I living into that? My own life as well. Um, I look at these passages like putting up with people, bearing with people, loving, being patient, being gentle. So I would say find a text in the scriptures authoritative in your life and give energy to it for a year. See what happens. It's a good word. So. So some, so I'll, I'll invite y'all, in. and many people listening to this and watching this, you're my church members. So if you want to be praying for me, just go go read Ephesians 4, 1 through 16 and go, okay, now my pastor, that's what he wants to live like this year. That's exactly what I'm so I'm, I'm kind of exposing it to everybody. That's what I'm focusing on. So I think walking with Jesus, find a text that you can just say, all right, I'm going to live into this for a season, uh, and go deep with it. That to me is a life changer. And third thing I would say is share that with some fellow believers. So I'm going to share this with the people I'm close to so that they can help challenge me in it. Mm. I think that's a great answer. Mm.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Mm -hmm. It's always fun to be with you. And we'll be back
1: next week with Katie. Amen.
0: So thanks for joining us.
1: listening to the tell me more podcast today you can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church thanks for listening have a good day